four picks against Grossman and two fumbles. What did you see about the Bears? Uh, we shut them down that way. No, we, you know, I mean, we, we just uh, we, the Bears are what we thought they were. What, what, what we thought they were. We played them in preseason. Who the hell takes a third game in a preseason like it's bull? We played them in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Welcome back. We're into double digits now. This is episode 10 of the One Fine Dynasty League podcast. This is the week four recap. We're going to run down all the games of the last weekend. We've finished sort of the uh, one-third point, if you will. Uh, the first week that we went outside of the division, it was very interesting. But before we get into all the details, we're going to have to address the elephant in the room. The game that was won and lost at the same time. I'm sorry, my buddy Eric, but... All at once. <laughs> let's deal with it right now. It was the Bismarck yep. Shuttlecocks taking on Miller Hydelife. Uh, if it weren't for a roster management error, they would have won 90-73. to 73. Unfortunately, we didn't get a drop done in time, and they ended up having to take the zero. Um, yep. I don't even know how to break down this game, because I could just say like how great Gurley is, and he's simply Gurley. Um, you well, had, I mean, you know, had, uh, <laughs> I'm going to cut you off. I'm going right, to cut go you ahead, off. Go ahead, go ahead. It was a rookie mistake. It's one that I think is a rule that needs to be addressed going forward, although I don't know how we'll, and we'll get into the logistics going, you know, after that. I, I agree. Looking at my roster, it performed. It did exactly as it was supposed to. Um, the extra man on the bench did not hinder or help uh, in any way. Uh, so that's something to be addressed going forward. That being said, Congratulations, George. Yes. Win number one. It came <laughs> any shape or form. I don't know if it'll save the season or if it'll just delay the inevitable of him regrouping for next year. Uh, a quick little takeaways I saw is, wow, Ezekiel Elliott just was everything and then some for Dallas. But he had 240 yards. And like we talked about in the previews and we talked about on the last recap about David Johnson with Josh Rosen. I think this is a better combination. He looked a little bit more like his, you know, his real self. He wasn't the full David Johnson, but he wasn't, you know, a, a zombie back there. Um, and you had Freeman scoring again, so it's uh, it's looking a little bit better for Miller High Life. I don't know if this portends for more wins in the future. Yeah, David Johnson definitely stepped forward, and and if it weren't for the fumble, he has 13 points. It's a definite step in the right direction. That's three games in a row, I believe, with over 10 points for him. And, uh, you know, and Elliot is everything that is Dallas. Uh, I don't understand why teams don't stack 10 in the box and just say, go ahead and beat us, Dak. I mean, honestly, he's the only one that can do anything for him. Outside of that, and we talked about it outside of that, that there's not much left on his roster, though, to be able to really pick up any other slack. So one thing that I uh, want to make sure we hit on um, is mm -hmm. how much full of shit all the CBS rankings and all that crap is, because you are not <laughs> currently at the bottom of the owner stats. Mm. And I'm pretty sure you just cost yourself like 90 points. Yeah. So that should be a giant hole to dig out of. And for some reason, it doesn't give you credit for that. But it will yell at you if you don't take a guy off the practice squad and put him in when they yeah. think you should. Yeah. So uh, that's really the only point I have on this game. Because if I remember correctly, you had zero points. So really, there's no more analysis needed. 
Yeah, that's it. That's a good point. So do we count this as a loss for all of us in our predictions? Because it was a win until Eric couldn't manage his roster. So I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'm not really sure, but we'll, we'll, we'll punt on that one. Moving right along, we had the Ninja Assassins taking on the West Danes Massive. This was an old school rivalry. Um, it's Mike versus Chu. These are longtime friends. I grew up with them. And I know that Mike really wanted to take down Chu, but it wasn't to be. Chu won 86 to 67. Um, you know, the, the predicted score was 70 to 65, so West Danes was right around where they thought they would be, and, and Ninja Assassins outperformed. What I really saw from this, I'm not going to go into a whole bunch of detail on breaking down every part of the box score, except to say Mahomes had a down game, and he had 16, and he went full in with Calvin Ridley, and Calvin Ridley had two more touchdowns. It's I don't know what's going on there. I don't like it as a Julio owner. Um, you know, what yeah, to do? Well, it's, it's not even so much that. I mean, Ridley, yeah, he's on his streak. I told you he would have one, maybe two more games like that before teams really start to pay attention to him. And then at that point, it'll switch to Sanu. That being said, I mean, could you expect 23 out of the Packers on that defense there? I mean, it's, it's really just ridiculous when it comes to uh, that kind of a performance. I agree. Um, you know, a shutout, I didn't expect, but I also thought... When I said in the last, I said in the last podcast, I said Green Bay is going to rebound because of the embarrassment against Washington, and then mm -hmm. Buffalo, I thought was riding way too high, and they're going to feel like, oh yeah, we've knocked out Minnesota, we're going to go through the NFC North, blah blah blah, and and they're a fraud, they're they're a total fraud. So I, I'm not surprised by this. It was a little more lopsided than I thought. The one thing that I think is really impressive about this game and about Chu's team as a whole after going all in and pulling the guys off the roster is I, I kind of was looking at everybody's roster yesterday and kind of looking at the benches and seeing, you know, how deep they are, what pieces are, you know, maybe out there for low hanging fruit, um, you know, because we're getting to that time when, when teams are either going to be buyers or sellers. And the thing that, that really stuck out to me about Chu's game here was, you know, he put up basically 90 points and that's with, McCaffrey and by Peterson, who's been really reliable and by Edelman's still not back. Goodman's hurt or Goodwin's hurt, you know, like, and with luck, it's his backup quarterback on the bench. So, I mean, that's a really, really strong roster top to bottom. Um, and I, I, you know, it's, uh, it could be a little dangerous going towards the end of the year. Yeah, I got to disagree with you on the depth. I think it's, it's yes, as far as numbers are concerned, as far as the, um, and what I mean by that is the number of players he has, but it's so razor thin, so razor thin as far as production for those guys are concerned. Ridley is a rookie. Mike Williams has not performed at a higher level. Hilton is now injured and his performance is solely tied to luck and you can't rely on this, those stats that came out of this last game. It was complete volume in a, in an overtime game. Uh, Gordon is just trying to work his way in and got two points in that high, quote unquote high powered offense with the goat. You know, uh, it's just not, it, it, yes, I know he had AP on the bench, but AP is 38 or 45 or something along those lines, isn't he, uh, Avery? And, something uh, like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And it McCaffrey, sounds like yes, Southern is math. A PPR monster. You know, I mean, Avery's, I mean, McCaffrey is a PPR monster. I get it. But AP is not going to be there. Ridley is not going to be there. Mike Williams is not going to be there. Alex Collins is not going to be there. These guys aren't going to be there when he's going to start to rely on them. I think he went all in a year too early. Just saying. It's re it remains to be seen. I, I see what you're saying. Uh, Tevin Coleman, 
He is relying on the injury to Freeman. Uh, mm-hmm. Baltimore has been, I don't know if they're overproducing right now. Right now, they might be a hot team on the come. Uh, Flacco's playing better. Um, but you have multiple running backs back there, and who knows what's going to be with Collins. And I agree. I mean, I'm a diehard Redskins fan, but I know at mm-hmm. any moment Peterson is going to have issues. He's been in a walking boot, and actually the bye came at a perfect time for, for us. So, there you go. So who knows? But, you know, it's fun. It's exciting. Like I was saying before, I kind of like this. It's the it's the gamble. It's the push the chips. So I'm still sort of in favor of it, it and it throws a wrinkle into that top division. Um, Certainly. So I think that's a cool thing just for the excitement. Over at West Dane's Massive, there was one thing I wanted to say is, hey, Mike D., wasn't it nice to see Sony Michelle uh, produce the way you wanted after that trade? So, uh, you know, kudos to you on that one. Michelle looks like the real deal. Just saying. Yeah. And it was it was actually good having Burkhead go down like that. So it sort of sorted things out there. You now have uh, your defined passing running back and you have your defined you know first down second down sometimes third down running back and you know michelle is just only going to grow what i had heard and maybe you guys heard the same is he sort of struggled you know he had his injury early on he had that cleanup surgery and then it was taking him some time to get into the offense and absorb it but you know it's there's a learning curve especially with belichick's offense i think it's a it's exciting to see because what we saw last year when he was, you know, in college versus now, I don't think he's even come close to uh, what his ceiling is. The player that I think is really impressive on his team too is, I mean, I think Michelle, you know, finally be, because of the the Burkhead injury, you know, you saw the volume there. But I think Ebron is the one that's really the surprising one to me. I really thought that Doyle would get the bulk of those catches. And Ebron looks like a completely different player catching passes from Andrew Luck than he does from Matthew Stafford. I mean, all of the drops that he had, all of the plays he never had in Detroit, he just he does look like such a threat in that indie offense. Okay, yeah. What you're saying on Ebron, I agree with. This is his fifth year, and we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Everybody said this is supposed to be the top-tier tight end, and it just hadn't come to fruition. Like you mentioned, it was the drops. He was there. It was always there for him, but there just wasn't the chemistry with Stafford, and I'm, I'm happy to see it. So it's uh, could be sky's the limit. Luck looked like he was back. You know, the other one that I liked on the team was Robert Woods. You know, we mm-hmm. mentioned it and I was saying it, you know, I guess I'm not the only one, but the greatest show on turf 2.0. You got those three receivers out there. And I think even though I have cooks, I see Woods might be the most consistent out of the three. Um, you know, maybe the ceiling is higher on the others week to week, but I think the floor is better for Woods. So it's interesting there. It's going to take a little bit of time. This is not his year, but I think there's a lot of potential in, in his lineup. So I have a question for you guys uh, for both to hit on. I mean, this we're calling this recap week and we'll, we'll get to the other one, but you've seen the emails start to come out about we're blowing teams up. So these two teams, <laughs> buyer or seller? Are we? Are we though? Uh, oh, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah. It's, actually a good, it's a good segue because yeah. this team, I think, should do a little bit of selling. That's what I would do because I don't think this is the year for them. But, you know, they have key components. But like I said, the good segue is we're going to go into the next game, which was your narwhals against those mud monkeys in an interesting game. I don't know if we've even had this in the five-year history of the league, a 101-101 tie. It's probably the highest scoring tie we've ever had. And you had a miraculous uh, game out of Kelsey 
to get you back to uh, not having the loss. It would have been nice what? if he got that eighth catch. reception. Be one catch. Yeah, one catch. <laughs> one one catch. That was my yeah. big note. That was my big note. And the other question I have, and this is sort of inside information, but you mentioned Hines as the running back, and you meant to start him. What was the lineup move that you meant to do that could have made the difference in this game? Um, so I was going to put him in uh, for um, for one of the wide receivers. Uh, I had him lined up. Get your score. Figure it out real fast. Which no, is the no, no. Score. That's the one. Was, I was gonna it put. wasn't for Lynch, right? It wasn't. No, it, it wasn't for Lynch. No, it was. I was going to go with one of the wide receivers. It honestly, I probably would have done some stupid and been like overthought the, you know, like the uh, the Michael Thomas play or something like that, or, or Cooper. It probably was going to be Cooper. So really, it wouldn't have helped me if we're being completely honest. Okay. Um, but yeah. uh, two I mean, points I, I guess it would have. Yeah, two yeah, points. Won you the game. But you know, I, I that was the one that I was. I math for. good. Yeah, good good yeah. work with the math. Um, it, it probably would not have been like, <laughs> oh yeah, I'll just take out Aguilar or Smith Schuster. No, I wouldn't have. I would have left both of those guys in. Well, you know, uh, Cooper so. now is you know Mister Yo Yo of the league. So next week you have to put him on the bench because obviously he's not going to score. You know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. No, actually, I, I like. I actually think that. I, look, I watched that whole game, and I think that that offense is better than um, than we we think it is. Because I, I actually think the Browns have a good defense. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, I got distracted because I keep looking at NFL stat corrections to see if the NFL gives them credit for that <laughs> in the clutch uh, yeah. fumble. Does that does that count retroactively? What's the statute of limitations when the NFL says it's a fumble? We have it written in our league, and I don't want to waste time looking at it, but we actually do have a cutoff time because we've had okay. this happen in the keeper league. Just with curious. with, but there it's written in the bylaws <laughs> if you want to check it. But uh, yeah, keep holding your breath. We'll see how that works out for you. You know, I, mm, I looked on the other side, and of course, more inside information. But what the heck with these scores? Taylor Gabriel twenty one. Giovanni Bernard, 18. Holy moly. Oh, Pulling those well, out of your arse, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, you know what? To be fair, uh, Mud Monkeys has been paying attention to the uh, to the pundits out there because Taylor Gabriel was picked by a lot of people to have a sneaky good play. Now, did they expect two touchdowns on 114 yards and catch every single stinking pass thrown to him? No. That being said, they did actually pick him to be a sneaky play. And so, I mean, ultimately, that's the best that they could do is to try and find the third or fourth wide receiver on some team that had potential for at least one touchdown. They're in a bit of a predicament here with Fournette. You know, this soft tissue uh, king, as it will. Uh, what do you do? Because he seems to be, if he starts... He could be out. You have Yeldon on the bench. He's the go-to, and even Yeldon could score. I would even, if I were them and trying to play a decent roster, I would go ahead and start Yeldon because there's a good opportunity for him to come in. But let's let's get to the point that we started this whole thing with. The point that we started it all with is somebody said they're going to blow the whole team up. Uh, what the heck does that mean? I, I couldn't believe it. You uh, score 100 I want to know which one said it. Yeah, who who posted it? I, Which I one said it? Can you see? I don't know. Does it come from the same guy? It does. Hold on. I, I'm bringing it up here. We need to play that uh, Jeopardy music in the background as this loads. Yeah, that's great. And, of course, it takes That being said, I, I will say that, you know, while you look that up, while you look that up. So so the thing is. That was look, Rob. It was look Rob. at his running was it Rob that did that? Okay, so I wonder how uh, Dave feels about it. But look at look at the running back situation. And honestly, Bernard, this is it. He's done. He's not going to see the ball again. 
he's going to go back to scoring two to three points a game because uh, Mixon is back. Fournette is Fournette. Well, you know, I, you and I had this conversation when Fournette and during that rookie draft and whether or not you should have gone Fournette or not, and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I wouldn't have touched Fournette. I like Fournette's talent. I don't like his durability. Even all the way back to high school, he's had these issues. McCoy's in a horrible situation there in Buffalo. That's three roster spots. You can have one roster spot that you're struggling with or rotating guys through, maybe even two. But in this league, you can't have 30% of your roster that you are completely just taking Zippos on. you know. And that doesn't even take into account that you could have potentially a zero or a bad game from any other guy in your roster. You just can't have 30% of your roster that's just sitting there dead. I agree with you. Um, I just don't know what they mean by this. I, I, if I were them, and I know their whole uh, MO, I think they're still going to keep going. I think they just want to trade. I think this is smokescreen. But, hey, you know, I, I could be wrong. Uh, it's a good question. I mean, look, they've got a lot of guys uh, and a lot of years tied up in just just high. They're high-year guys. They have a lot of years tied up in, what, three players, four players. And, I mean, if they really are looking at this going, hey, we, we can't make a run. It's time to blow it up. I mean, I think we've seen over and over again, you know, one team decides that they're going to punt every year. And they get the the lion's share of the picks. They get the lion's share of the of the good deals up front. Um, so it is kind of a question sometimes about if, how early you're going to bail. Uh, yeah, I mean, but we're talking about a guys that uh, you know they're going to they're quote unquote selling. They want to rebuild. They're blowing it up. I mean, they they they're going to ask for their firstborn child, my grandchild, three first rounders for Tyler Boyd. You know, uh, half my roster for Antonio Brown. I mean, uh, this can go on and on. But this is also you know not directed solely at mud monkeys. This is kind of directed at everybody in the league as well. Where it's like, come on now. I mean, you know, let's let's at least have a legitimate conversation. I agree. I also think there's a psychological component to it. Going into this year, they had the best record over four years. So that's going to be tough to overcome, knowing that you were the dominant team. And it also hurts because they came short every time on the championship. So it's like, uh, do you want to take that step back and then reshuffle? I mean, we have not seen this facet of their personality. So it remains to be seen. What, what, this is a, a brand new world if they're really going to follow what they said. So uh, I'll believe it when I see it is what it comes down to. Yeah, so, I'll give you credit that it's it may be a transition. We haven't seen them in this position before. Maybe they will attack rebuilding as much as they have tacked, uh, trying to sustain success over the uh, five years so far. So, uh, you know what, I'll, I'll take a step back and I'll, I'll give you credit on that for now. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, the real question, and this is, I think, across the board, is when you become a seller, how do you say, I'm blowing up my team because my team sucks, and then overvalue all your players? And yeah. that'll be the question of what, you know, what people do going in. I mean, a guy that hasn't been on the field for more than what one game this season is not a top 12 talent, just period, you know? So, I mean, that's, that's kind of a question mark and we'll, you know, kind of have to wait and see how that looks. It's simple supply and demand. I mean, if you're going to put, like you said, three newborns for Tyler Boyd, uh, you're not going <laughs> to get anybody who wants to offer that up. So we'll see. We'll if they if they especially, put them, go ahead especially especially Thompson kids I mean that's got to be worth at least six at that point realistically <laughs> yeah yeah 
All right, so we're going to loop back around to what was billed as the game of the week but didn't really live up to it like this last game we talked about. And that was Greenlight Breezes against my team, Spencer Strassmore's clients. Uh, wah, wah. I, yeah, I ended up winning 87-60. It brings Paul to 2-2 two and two and me to 4-0. and oh. um, Mike and Eric picked me to win, and I actually went contrarians to do the reverse psychology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it really wasn't It wasn't a close hey, game. It, no, it, I got it. Mike, Mike, can you really do reverse psychology on you? You weren't here, so can you really do reverse psychology I on yourself? I don't think you can do reverse psychology on yourself. You can do the reverse jinx, I mean, I guess. I think it's okay. the, the play. Um, well, I, I, I said it in the last podcast. I was doing, I was hedging my bets. So if I won, <laughs> that's fine that I lost. And then if I lost, I actually picked it right. So look, I have a bone to pick with Paul. All right. Because, you know, this was the week to catch you. Um, right. You negative four. You had, you know, Rogers was six points. Corwell was zero. I mean, like somebody had to do something here and beat you in a week because obviously you've, you've had the high score across the board. I mean, hell, the curb stoppers put up 92 enough to beat you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, freaking Paul's team, who had the second most points scored, put up 60. 60. Hey, uh, I mean, there's, but there's one point. The there's, there's only- last points. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Not the last because Bismarck yeah. had bro, My bad. <laughs> no, but yeah. the, the, there's a very easy tipping point. I mean, it's so simple. It does. You don't need a doctorate to figure it out. Drew Brees had all of his touchdowns taken away from Kamara. Of course, Kamara had a great game, and he's the number one scorer in the league. But when Brees throws for nothing and Kamara has the three touchdowns, it was sort of obvious that's what was going to happen. There's nothing else. And by the way, DJX came back. He didn't have a touchdown, Eric, but that's three out of four. So uh, I, I'm buying the hype train. I'm not buying Jack. They were chunking it up because they were. it was 45 to nothing. Give me a break. What do you expect them to do? You know, I mean, come on. Fitzmagic did nothing. They had to pull him. They put in, uh, what's his name? And uh, he finally put up, I think he went, what, 10 for 12 or something like that? That that being said, uh, what about the Bears? You know, you were making fun of me saying, oh, well, Trubisky on the bench with the six touchdowns. I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. I was going to start him over Aaron Rodgers. But what does this mean? I mean, obviously, they have the worst secondary in the world. Does this mean Trubisky has a higher ceiling? Is there something more behind him? Or is this like... Was this a Fitz magic on the other side? I mean, shooting star. I, yeah, I don't know what to believe. I just have him there because I need a backup, and uh, there's not a quarterback to be found. You know, all there is is just tumbleweed blowing along on the waiver yeah. wire. So I just have him there. But now I don't know what to think of this guy. I, I wouldn't he consider starting of, him. He's got a, look. He's got a lot of skilled positions around him, and a lot yeah. of guys around him. And his his passes finally looked somewhat pinpoint. So I mean, it doesn't take much. Um, to you know, to put up a ton of points as a quarterback, if when you have a ton of skill guys around you, obviously let's look at Fitzpatrick, <coughs> Mahomes. <laughs> I, Mahomes is going, yeah, but Mahomes. I mean, Mahomes has looked good. I mean, you're right, you're right. Yes, yeah, but it's but yes, I mean, but it just they, supports your argument more. I haven't seen a quarterback pull off that escape from three guys and pull off the left-handed pass for the first down. I mean, well, let me look at Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan puts up sh- crap tons of points when when he has three wide receivers, a tight end, and you know, and a good running back. I I to support your argument, Mike, and not meaning to cut you off, but to support your argument there is that uh, I really feel like yeah, it was a shooting star moment. It it, it I don't think he's going to throw six touchdowns again uh, for a very long time if he does. But the point is, is that 
he was a new offensive coordinator, new it's only his second year in the league. And and it takes quarterbacks time. Once they figure it out, though, it's just a matter of whether or not he's for real going forward. But I think you're in such a position, Avery, that you could sit there on Aaron Rodgers and wait and have a wait and see approach with Trubisky. Yeah. The other thing is you have Nagy in there and it's, you don't have Fox. You know, this right. would have never happened under John Fox. God, I couldn't stand the guy. But no. uh, so it's a different system. And this is a whole brave new world in the NFL. Obviously, we've all been hearing about this, but the scoring is so far up. So that's the other thing is like you sort of have yeah. to take the quarterback scoring with a grain of salt with uh, all these 400-yard passers, the tons of touchdowns, et cetera, et cetera. It reminds me of the steroid era and its heyday you know, back in, is, uh, in Major League Baseball. And that is a great point because, you know, for the longest time, some of these rookie quarterbacks, I mean, look, go on all the way back to like Tim Couch. They got shell-shocked because they got hit, blasted mm -hmm. over and over again. And now the guy gets Derek Carr. barely yeah. touched, and all of a sudden it's a flag. So these quarterbacks feel like they can stand in there and throw it for a little bit longer than maybe they should because they're not as afraid of getting crushed. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, for a guy like Trubisky, that, that extra split second when you have those guys that are really good skill position guys, I mean, like, that's that means a lot. Yeah, and to, I guess, get a little further off of just – the wrap-up of our league, but you, you look at it now, this is a new formula for NFL teams is to get those quarterbacks who are just about ready to just step right in their rookie year or second year because of the great, uh, I guess, benefit it gives you on the salary cap. So yeah. you can augment the rest of your team to have this really discounted contract and have a lot more pieces in the puzzle like you were talking about what he has up there in Chicago. Uh, you know, He has a lot more pieces than what he had before, and that's because of a rookie contract that's four years and has the fifth-year option. Yeah, and to expound upon your that point, I mean, what it allows teams to do, and uh, and we can move on after that. But I mean, to expand upon it, the, what it allows teams to do is expand that window of winning. You know, where you have a dominant team on the defensive side of the ball, or with a a lead running back who already has a short shelf life, to then have a quarterback coming into his prime as those guys are falling off, to then have to pay the quarterback, but then be able to support him with young uh, players and, and, and that sort of thing. And so you are, you are to like, you're talking about, you definitely seeing that kind of a rotational development in, uh, in uh, uh, franchises. So moving on, this game sort of surprised me here. It was smashing neurons against Emperor John and uh, smashing neurons came up short. They lost 66 to 78, bringing them to two and two and Emperor John got their first win. So maybe some momentum is going to be started here. All of us picked the Smashing Neurons. Um, down by 21, there still was a chance. You had the human video game, Tyreek Hill, and you had Demarius Thomas, and they only combined for nine points. Um, you have Ryan and Barkley still playing at a high level, but just like Eric predicted, and see, Eric, I can give credit where credit's due. You called mm. the Sterling Shepard uh, deal right there, and, and mm -hmm. uh, you know Beckham didn't come through. So it was a it was a nice prideful game for for John. So I, I'm happy for him that he got off the stride. Well, I think that uh, honestly, we made the comment last week. You got to play your studs. You got to ride your horses. And he came out and he put in his horses: uh, Thielen, Shepard, Brown, Nelson. It's a strong wide receiver core. If Russell Wilson actually performs pretty decent, then again he's missing one piece really. 
uh, and 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 really with that it's if you can just find that one piece if he can figure out a way to trade for that one piece he'll be a real contender yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe he's the team that buys. Maybe he is, you know, the type of team to uh, to match with the Mud Monkeys. And if they really are breaking up the team, I mean, if he can land one of those guys, all of a sudden his roster looks dramatically different. And he does yes. have, you know, uh, some younger guys. He's got some PSP guys that are decent. He's got some picks to move. I mean, he could go in all in if he wants to. Um, he definitely has the ability to. And he's put up more points in the last couple of weeks than I think we, we normally expected. I mean, he's 20 points over his projection this week. You know, like that's that that's a lot, realistically. I mean, we I think last week was it that we went through and almost not, you know, 90 percent of the projections were pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. So you put it up by 20 points. I mean, that's that's a big difference. I agree with you, and I had mentioned some sort of segment ideas that we can have or little awards for the week, and one of the awards I want to put is the last-second move. I loved that move that they did was to drop the Giants and go with the Patriots because of that game against the Dolphins, and that made a you know that that made a bit of a difference there. You know, the Giants got shellacked by New Orleans, and Patriots put up a decent eight. So, question then for both of you guys. You know, we were talking about buyers and sellers, and we've kind of hinted at it in, in a couple of these different games. And I made the point about Russell Wilson, but I think that this is a situation where he made an under the radar move. Now, we've said this that if anybody plays the waiver wire and plays it well, it's John. And he figures out a way to pick up these guys that are under the radar and Joe Flacco being one of them. I know you had him last year, Mike, but with this offense and with the stack that he could have between John Brown, who is a legitimate wide receiving option for him and the way Flacco has been playing, he's been playing out while playing Russell Wilson. Is it time to bench Russell Wilson and put Flacco in every day? I mean, it might be. I I don't want anything to do with that Seattle offense. No. And Wilson's strongest target, Disley, is, is, you know, um, out for the year. You know, I mean, like at this point, Wilson's got Lockett and that's it. And I mean, I think Lockett's sitting on a, on a PSP somewhere, but um, you know, like that's a that's a good question. I mean, Flacco has shown flashes when he's in the right offense and he has the weapons around him. Uh, you're right. I had him last year because two years ago he looked looked pretty good. Last year I put him in, and I think this year he has I think three times the amount of passing yards that he had through four games last year. That's yeah, like it's some crazy stat like that. Yeah, where, I mean it's it's just light years different last year versus this year. And I think that that's a, a staple of, if you know the Baltimore offense and the Harbor, a long-term offensive plan, they have legitimate running backs this year. And last year they didn't. And that's that's the difference. Yeah, and they, ha- they have the running backs, but they're a passing-oriented team. I just pulled up his uh, stats for the first four games, and so you had 16 mm-hmm. points, 11 points, 9 points, and 16 points again. It's very, very good. But look at the attempts. The first game you had 34 attempts, then you had 55, 40, and 42. So you're you're putting the ball in the air. And despite – I'm not a big Flacco fan, but I will give him props in the, in the sense that he has one of the best deep balls. So it's uh, – I think with the right pieces in there and Baltimore is on the come again, this, this could be a, at least a streaming situation where he has to wait week in, week out, which one looks better on paper. And it could, like you said, shift all the way over to Flacco is the default and then sometimes Wilson. And the question is, you know, when you look at Wilson versus Flacco, I think we, we would all agree that Wilson has the higher upside. You know, Flacco's probably not going to put up 40 points, realistically. Wilson could because he's got that running side of him where he can run the ball into the end zone a couple times. Um, 
But the difference is, is I think Flacco at this point is proven based on those two offenses that he's got the higher floor. Yes. And, you know, with John's team, because he's got so many hit or miss wide receivers that have the same type of thing, the really high upside, really a low, you know, um, f- bottom, I mean, he needs that consistency and I, Flacco might be the better play. Yeah, I would only say that he's got three guys that have the lower floor. Uh, but even then, I'm curious about Jordy Nelson because he would be one of the three guys. Uh, Thielen and John Brown are legitimate uh, PPR guys uh, this year. Thielen obviously has proven it a couple of years. John Brown is really showing it this year, and he's he's the obvious number one and cashing in on all that preseason hype. Jordy, he's really coming around, and it's it's – two games in a row now with Jordy. And, uh, you know, I know that John was very interested in that trade with you and he loves Jordy and he was very upset with the way that Gruden was using him. But I think it was Carr initially and maybe Carr is starting to figure it out. If we're talking about Oakland, okay. we none of us liked Oakland and maybe it's Carr figuring it out, which raises Jordy Nelson's floor. Look, we said it. If John can figure out a couple pieces to, to, to fill a couple of holes, he could be a contender. He could really legitimately I'm gonna be a throw some. I'm going to throw some water on the fire, though. What the hell is going on in his backfield? Mm-hmm. Uh, That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Williams, Williams is done now that Jones is back. Miller is hurt. Um, mm-hmm. you, you go down into the bench. He has activated Richard. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, what's Richard? Alfred Morris. Uh, forget I mean, I think, it. That, that ship sails. So what, I mean, what does he do? My point with it's, uh, you know, if he wants to, he buys. You know, yes, he has to be, buy a running back. He's the guy to go run, buy a running back, and there are running backs. I know a guy that be blown up. Yeah. Uh, well, you can still start four. For <laughs> some yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, talking about buying a running back. So, we don't want to necessarily give away, you know, state secrets. But we talked about a team that's going to buy, and we talked about a team that wants to sell. So let's just make it no draft picks, no nothing. Let's just look at what's out there. This team wants to sell has Fournette. I don't know if you want to get in that Fournette business. If you got in the Fournette business, you'd need the Yeldon as well because you'd need to have that sort of that backup. Um, but after that, you know, do you want McCoy? Do you want Bernard? I don't think so. So I don't know if the team that's blowing up has the pieces for him. So he's going to have to go somewhere else is what I think. Yeah, probably so. I could be though. I mean, but at the, at the end of the day, I mean, you only need one running back and Miller does have, you know, a high upside. He's been a little bit hobbled, um, but that Houston offense finally looks like they're starting to figure things out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, look, if, if, if he replaces the Williams piece with something else came and break, yeah, I mean, that that all of a sudden looks like a different offense, too, across the board. Well, Jameis Winston loves break. O.J. Howard is hurt. Where do you think he's going? True. All right, be that as it may, let's get to the last game of the week. It was the Curb Stompers against I Got the Nuts. And what do you know? The Curb Stompers throw up a 92 against I Got the Nuts 87, bringing both teams to 2-2. Two and two. Um, you had three huge games that really made the difference for the Curb Stompers with Cousins, White and Cook. Uh, over on I Got the Nuts, you have the Great Rivers, Gordon Stack, and uh, Eric Drake. I don't think he's cutting it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I called it on Drake. I told you Drake was just, I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is, but that, you know, often that, that coaching staff just doesn't want to use him uh, outside of Drake. I mean, if he had just gotten, I, I mean, just 
just an average usage out of Drake, and he would have won this game. It's just, it's completely frustrating. When you look across on the other side and you see curb snoppers have only three guys to beat you, three guys to beat you, and and it's it, it's completely disheartening. I, to go back to the Drake point, though, I think that, you know, that Miami offense as a whole this week, I mean, they looked awful because they just looked scared. They mm-hmm. petrified of the Patriots and they couldn't do anything. I mean, they what did we say, Avery? They, it's totally true because they didn't use, look, they didn't use Wilson the way that they have in the, in the past. They didn't use Stills the way that they had in the past few weeks. They didn't mm-hmm. use the, any of their running backs um, outside of Gore. They just was like, I, they were just petrified of the Patriots and they just kept running Gore up the middle. And it was like, this does not look like the same Dolphins team that they've, you know, they've put out there the last few weeks i just think gase was just you know petrified of losing to the patriots and just self-fulfilled i mean we did mention it avery right yep. and yep. we talked about the but they said they're not afraid they said they weren't afraid so i don't know what happened i, I thought right, they, i right. thought they weren't scared well yeah i heard a stat on drake which was startling i think the guy has close to 25 percent of his carries are for a loss and like the league average Mm. is maybe of you know starting running backs or running backs with a, a large threshold of carries. It's like 10% or less. So he's God. getting killed in the backfield. A quarter of your carries are going negative. So that that's a huge problem as well. I don't know if it's him versus the offensive line or a combination because I don't watch many Dolphins games. But Yeah, I haven't if, seen it. Mike, have you seen any of those? I wouldn't like it if I were an owner. No, I, I watched a few um, in the previous weeks. I didn't, I didn't catch any of this one. Uh, oh. but, you know, it's... It's strange to me because they've been such a creative offense and they've been, you know, getting out there because they, they do know their offensive line isn't great. So they've been running a lot of screens. They've been running a lot of play action. They've been running a lot of crazy plays to downfield the Stills and Wilson. And it just was so different um, in appearance to, to this game, watching any of the clips and any of the highlights. So with the, with the nuts here. It was nice to see for them, you know, Jeffrey came back in his first game and had 15. Uh, you know, I think the, the the Eagles played it right on waiting a certain amount of time, and he looked strong. But Agreed. now this, what we looked like the plug-and-play replacement to Le'Veon Bell is sort of coming up short now. So what do we really have here with James Conner? And I guess you guys have both seen, supposedly now Bell's coming back maybe in week <laughs> seven. You know, what the hell's going on? But well, yeah, because all he has to do cluster. is show up. He doesn't have to play, and he still gets paid in week seven. It's a bye week. Yeah, yep. but he also might pull a James Harrison and have these, you know, crazy injuries that just happen to happen in the uh, first quarter. So that really leaves Sunil in a lurch. Because that sucks when you start somebody and then they're they're out. And I, I wouldn't pat you know I wouldn't put anything past Le'Veon Bell at this point. He he could be extremely dirty the rest of the year. No, I mean it's a sunk cost. You know you you. Uh, I uh, I just feel like if you had a chance to to move on from him, you you could have taken it. But I don't know that he really had too much of a chance to move on from him. And um, you know it could be a we gave Mud Monkeys a hard time about the asking price being way too high. It might have been that situation. We obviously don't know what happens with other conversations, but it might have been that situation with other people trying to talk to him. Maybe he was asking for just a little bit more than the other people were willing to buy, and you know things like that. And it's just a it, it's an unfortunate situation. It really is. And and unfortunately, you know, he doesn't have a whole 
whole lot as far as great uh, uh, super depth to put in there. Um, I mean, Kittle and Cohen are two nice pieces, but uh, they're kind of flashes. They can kind of go here and there. And if you're going to play that game, then you might as well play Bell because at least the ceiling is higher. But uh, to go back to it again, I just, uh, you know, I, I hate the fact that Curb Stompers went out there and actually won this game. I'm just, for the record, I just, I hate the fact that he, uh, you know, had three guys go out there and basically win this game and stole it from the nuts what you wanted to cherry pick off him you wanted to lose so hopefully you could get leverage on him yeah, i don't i don't no. know what your what is your complaint i mean he could have started a bunch of guys that have zero points in chris hogan and he still would have beat you this year this week <laughs> yeah <laughs> bam yeah that is true this he nailed, is true. nailed that one even my yeah, team that. at the end of last year would have beat your team so that's uh you that's know, true that, that, that's pretty bad let me ask you this armchair gm for this team, would you sell the combination of Connor and Bell with uh, 50 cents on the dollar and just get out of it, try to get what you can, maybe throw a draft pick in? I don't know. Would you just get out of it just to, to wash yourself because this could get worse before it ever gets better? Well, that's the only thing is like you would have to package them both. And I don't know that he would want to package them both. But if you're going to package them both, then yeah, I think you could probably do better than 50 cents on the dollar because you're packaging them both. But would you do it? I, I'm, I'm more directing like if you had this roster, do you want to get out of this, this business or are you going to ride it out? I, I'm posing this to both of you. I, um, I don't know. I would find a better... Uh, I, I don't know. It depends on what you're getting in return. I'd, obviously, I'd probably I'd probably punt on him because I think that that offense is not a offense that's going to run the ball. I mean, I think that they've they showed their true colors this week when they're a little bit down, and I don't love that offense as a whole. I think I think they're going to throw and they're going to throw a lot. Um, I mean, I think there was how many carries did they have this week? Period across the board. How many carries? Oh, did they I don't have? know. No idea, but uh, it I was think it's minimal. like ten or fifteen. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. very many. Um, you know, and that's, so I, I think that that's going to be the trend going forward. I don't, I don't think Pittsburgh is great. And if Pittsburgh's not great, they're going to throw the ball because that's what they like to do. So, I mean, is that, you know, is that a, a position you want to be in is having running backs on a team that's throwing all the time and always behind all of this coming from a Browns fan. Thank you. Yes. We tied them. <laughs> uh, so that tells you all you need to know. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. You're on to something. I think this is a down year for Pittsburgh. You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Eight and eight, seven and nine. They, they, if they're not front running, I think they're going to fade to the back and it's going to get worse. The attitudes are going to get worse. We've already talked about a lot of the scuffling inside. The obviously the preseason type stuff with Bell and the line. You got you know Antonio Brown, Roethlisberger's coming out and saying certain things. So you know, Mike, you touched on it before. Well, I mean, I think there's an interesting, you know. Uh, piece to look at if you're looking at the you know some of the trade bait that we've mentioned in the past you know who's a who's a buyer for connor slash bell john could be a buyer for connor good slash point. bell good point. certainly that's, yeah. good that's point. a running back you slide right in and connor does look good there is some mm -hmm. major upside there so i mean even a team like damn mud monkeys you know you flip for met for net for for connor if if sunil thinks that that Fournette is a long-term play, then he makes that move because he can keep that player in. And for the Mud Monkeys, maybe they they think that they can buy more with Bell, or they can you know use Connor next year or something of that nature. I mean, there's a lot of plays to be made there. Yeah, I, I think it, you know we harped on the uh, the points of the the ten carries that kind of thing, but you got to bear in mind. You know, Baltimore came out and jumped down to a two-score lead in sure. a hurry. It could and have been so, more if it if it weren't for a turnover. 
Exactly. And so honestly, uh, I think that that, the lack of Connor usage in that particular game probably was more of a game flow situation than a specific uh, uh, lack of confidence in Connor as a whole. And that leads directly to the defense. I mean, the defense is bad. And so that is how we, you know, really see them going with game flow going forward. Okay. But look, you were talking about rushing attempts. So I just pulled it up while we're going here. Yeah. He had nine. But the game before he had 15, the game before that he had eight. So this Mm -hmm. is not, you know, it was only game one against Cleveland where he was just getting the ball all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Mike's on to something here that, I don't know, I'll turn the question back around. Mike, succinctly, if it were me and I was uh, Sunil, I I would get out of it. That's what I would do. That 31 attempts in that first game, you got to remember that was, that was in a storm. I mean, that was. Oh yeah, it was terrible conditions. They were projecting a monsoon essentially. So they had Mm -hmm. eight. Eight carries when he played who? Kansas City. And 15 when they played Tampa Bay. Not a great, you know, not a great defense. And they played nine when Baltimore jumped out. And they've got Atlanta next week. I think that'll be the real measure because, again, Atlanta's a team that scores. And if it's right, and it, Pittsburgh's yeah. going to want to race with them. Right. Well, I mean, and that's the point. You guys are talking about lack of rushing attempts, but you're pointing out all these games. 37 42 30 27 these were all boat races and honestly why would they run the ball in in that particular situation now i'm not taking away from the fact that you you know it, it that uh, they haven't run him that much i'm just saying that in this particular situation bell is a slightly better receiving back than than connor is but going forward it's really all based on that defense. And if they get into a situation like they are in Cleveland, then he's obviously going to run. That's a game flow situation. So that's all of that's going to factor into any potential trade that you're going to make with, uh, with uh, Sunil going forward for these two guys. But you say game flow and Mm -hmm. okay, that's true. I agree with you, but I say the game flow is going to stay this way because of Pittsburgh's defense, because of the way their team is. So you're just not going to have a lot of games where there's going to be a lot of rushing attempts. I think you're going to have at least a two-to-one ratio, if not a three-to-one ratio of games where it's been like what we've seen versus getting the ball all the time. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, probably, probably. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm looking at their 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 uh, schedule coming up here, and I mean, uh, Atlanta is going to be a boat race, like I said. Uh, but the thing with Atlanta is, is that they can't stop a, a running back or catching back out of the backfield. So yeah, I think they're I, the I, worst I, in the league for receiving yeah, running exactly. backs. I mean, when you have five starters go down, well, now they're six. Uh, go here we down. go. Here we I go. Mean, Let's get the world's smallest violin out. I know. Yeah. It's a tough no, time no, as an Atlanta fan. for Redskins fans, my man. <laughs> so the, uh, going forward, I mean, Cincinnati's going to be a, it, it's going to be an interesting one. Cleveland's going to be another slugfest. Baltimore's going to more than likely be a slugfest. Carolina. I mean, it's just, it's just not, I don't. I don't disagree. I just don't necessarily 100% agree. You don't disagree and you don't agree. So that leads I don't, to somewhere. I, I, really, I really have no idea what he was trying to say there. Uh, so I'm just going to go completely off the deep end and ask a completely different question. Um, so, you know, Miller Hyde Life. Obviously, they got the win this week, um, which I, I think that you'll have to make adjustments to make sure that that reflects in the standings. Uh, don't let Eric out of it with a two and two, which is what it looks like currently. Yeah, just um, wait for tomorrow. It'll, it'll be fixed. <laughs> but my, my question is that's a team that did, did lose on paper though, you know, with the points um, outside of the illegal lineup. So he's one in four and he's sitting on David Johnson. He's sitting on Elliot. He's sitting on Hyde. Is that a team that should be blowing it up? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I, I mean, mm-hmm. 
I think we talked about it the last wrap-up, looking at Kelly's team and looking at my team in the in the bottom division. And I think we touched on or alluded to it. The Kerbstompers and Miller High Life need to look at what can they do to, to position themselves. And you talked about when we were looking at Mud Monkeys, who's going to be the first team that breaks the seal? Every year it always inches up a little bit more, but that team that goes all out to to position themselves for next year usually gets the lion's share of capital. So it's sort of a race, you know, do they want to hold on? You know, Curb Stompers are now two and two, so they could they, they could essentially uh, make a move. And they've scored 304, you know, it helped this week, but they're not towards the bottom. But if I were Miller High Life, I would do something different, but that's just me. Now, um, but what about John? What do you see John doing? Because I, John will never sell in my mind. This is just gritty John. Gritty. I want to see him do something. I really do want to see how he's going to pull things off because if, Look, he's, man, if he tries to make some moves right now, he could be right in the thick of things with the, the way his team's lining up. He's Gettleman's football giants. He's going to keep trotting out Eli Manning and he's going to grab <laughs> that running back and not go after the, you know, and I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps Russell Wilson and has six years tied to him next year. You know, just keep trotting him out there and all around, he's got skill players all over the place. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think he's he's going to keep going, and uh, we'll have to see if he buys. That'll be the interesting thing, to see if, if he makes moves, because you're right. He usually just works the waiver wire, and I think that the waiver wire is a bit light. you got to make a trade if you want to make a move in this league. Yeah, it's time to graduate to the next level. That's sort of you know your elementary, middle school moves, but now it's time to move to high school into college and so we'll see what he does here. The last thing I want to wrap up the show on is to sort of take a look after four games. I, I've always liked to look at fantasy seasons in four-game chunks. I know we have 13 games, but I'd sort of look as like, if you can get three and one out of each chunk, you're doing really well. So now that we're at that four-game mark, we, let's look at each division here. You know, you have your team at 3-0-1. Oh, uh, you got a nice one-and-a-half game lead there. It looks like you're sort of in the driver's position, but Paul's team looks strong, so I, you know I wouldn't count them out. Um, what the the point I want to get that is like let's do a little bit of predicting on how things are going to go for the next four games. Uh, I would think there's going to be more separation, and that you and Paul are probably going to be around in the same place. Uh, you know, I don't think he's going to catch you in the next four games, but I think you two are going to be on top still. But Getting on to the top division, this is where I'm, I'm interested to see because, Eric, tell me if I'm wrong. I think you're putting a little bit of the fool's gold label on Chu's team or it could the bottom could fall out. Do you think he can retain this lead that he has, this one-game lead, four games from now? What do you think? No. No. Uh, I think either – I think that Nuts will have the lead. I'll be in second, and Chu will be in third after those four. And Mud Monkey's in, in fourth. You agree, Mike? Well, I I think that this week will be a, a really big telling factor of that because, uh, you know, we play each other. Um, so, you know, that'll be that'll be a contributing factor of, you know, which one's trending up or trending down. Um, I was going to say that I, th in those four weeks stretch, I play you, I play uh, I play the two of you and I play uh, I play Kelly's team and I play curb stoppers. So there's a there's a good chance. I don't I don't essentially get out of that four week stretch alive. Um, and Paul catches me. And if you want to look at, uh, you know, the, the question you asked about, about Eric's team, same type of, uh, side of things. I mean, his schedule, not any easier. He's got me, Kelly curb stoppers. Um, you know, so it's a, that's a good question too. I mean, I, I, we'll have to wait and see on, on what that looks like. I think there'll be more clarity this week. 
So then the last division, you know, I'm on top by two games. I thought Kelly would stick with me by one game, but she came up a little bit short this week. Um, I think it's going to stay the same. I think Kelly is definitely going to be in line to at least do wild card, if not catch me. But the other two teams, I don't think have a chance. Hey, what's your take on it? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, her team is is definitely pretty strong, but it's been pretty hit or miss. And I think it kind of goes as Hill goes when Hill has a blow up week. Um, her team's really good. When Hill doesn't, uh, it doesn't go well. Um, the one thing for you is, are you going to catch some of these teams later in the season um, on a rough week? I mean, you've got a pretty light schedule coming up with West Ains Massive. I've got the nuts has been pretty good. Um, and I got you. You've got me followed by Chu, which we've already said that his team has been trending upwards and has looked And then good. Eric. <laughs> And then Eric. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, you, you definitely hit a little bit of a murderer's row there. Um, so it'll be Four interesting games. To see if you if you keep up the the same level of uh, or if Aaron Rodgers' leg falls off and you are banking on Trubisky to throw five touchdowns every week. Well, look, I mean, we're not obviously we don't play for injuries. So, I mean, taking into consideration everybody's roster and and staying pat, you know, you're mm-hmm. fluctuating plus or minus 10 or 12 points. Uh, I think between the three of us, any one of us could beat the other any other you know, any given week. And so even if you come out 500 in those situations, it's being able to make hay against the other teams that uh, you definitely sure should and, and curb stompers and uh, you know, uh, uh, Emperor John and, and those kind of guys, they're trending up, but man, I tell you what, I, if, think, uh, I think if anything that the last couple of weeks has taught us is that any team can hit on any given week. I mean, certainly, you well, know, that's fantasy league, football, but, but not, yeah, it's fantasy football, but I mean, our scores are up because the NFL scores are up and mm-hmm. any player can blow up on any, when Tyler Gabriel puts up 40 points, you know, in one week and, uh, in meanwhile, you know, Howard has one point mm-hmm. and when you've got some of those guys that blow up that we've mentioned on this, on this specific show where, you know, you were very angry about a player having three guys blow up, but I think literally any player could blow up at any given time. And we've just seen that over and over again this year. So, I mean, it's, it wouldn't surprise me if any upset happens at this point. No, you make a good point. And the other part that we're missing and not even touching on, which is such a crucial part of fantasy football are bye weeks. You know, uh, part of this uh, just started. Uh, yeah, the, part yeah, of this whole segment that we're looking at here. You know, in week six, I have Kamara and Ingram out. In week seven, I have Aaron Rodgers out. So I'm going to have some key players against some great teams. So I, I don't really like that. So who knows what's going to happen? It should be interesting. But you, you're right because I got you out. Should, on you this, should probably blow up your team too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I know this joke. Let's let's get let's keep going. But no, if I can get two and two out of the next four week chunk, I'll be satisfied with it. Obviously, I'd rather win more than lose. But two and two, I'd be happy because I'll still retain. I'll still be four games above five hundred. So that's what I would be shooting for as an owner. Well, I mean, you go two and two with the way the schedule works out. Uh, that's the way it's set up. I mean, if you, you win the first four, you play two and two in the next four, and then you're back into your nice cozy division where you could whoop up on the, all the puppies. So you know what happens when those teams sell and you hit them later in the year? That's almost a guaranteed win. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You're right. It's, it gets into the college football <laughs> cupcake schedule kind of thing that you have early on, but you end up getting it on the back end. So I'm actually, I'm rooting. Hey, guys, sell, 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 sell. Curb Stompers, let's get on it. Miller High Life, let's get on it. I need those wins. <laughs> well, listen, listen. This is what I want to know because 
you know, we've, we've talked about podcasts we listen to, but now, Eric, you've put yourself behind the eight ball. You're two games yeah. below 500, yet you have, uh, uh, you know, arguably one of the strongest rosters in the league. You're the reigning champion, and you've kept most all of the pieces of the puzzle. Mike's team's really strong, too, and my team's really strong. You know, it, it, probably the, the public doesn't like this podcast because we have no. the strong lineups and everything, but it's just, no, you know, it's a flash our in the pan. Patting ourselves on the back. Exactly, every, exactly. Yeah, but I want to know, do you? what do you think? What do you think the, the odds are for you to at least do the wild card? Eight and five's guaranteed. Seven and six is usual. Uh, sometimes a seven and six but could you, do you, what are your odds to make a wild card and what are your odds to actually make it all the way back and win the division? Uh, I, I'd say there's a 75% chance that I make the playoffs even as a wild card. doesn't matter. Pick one. It doesn't matter. 75% chance that I get into the playoffs. Um, and and it, I, yeah, I'm a little bit boastful there. Maybe I'll be a little overconfident, but honestly, I, I think that with the depth of the roster and the ability to make moves, I think I have that uh, that real chance. And as far as like, chance to win the division i don't i don't think i could win the division uh outright uh unless a lot of things break my way um but you know where things have happened i think you know the one thing that we have to remember over and over again in every single year it's right about this time when the season starts to break down because somebody goes and gets injured and that mm-hmm. will dramatically change one of these divisions at least because it'll be insane if we go through a whole season and the biggest injury we have is Rex Burkhead. Um, so I, mm-hmm. I don't think that that'll be the case. I think that you'll see somebody go down and it'll just, you know, that, that, that'll wipe out the whole, uh, that whole division, whatever it is. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, that's a very good point, Mike. Uh, they, the injuries that we've had are, are a lot of second tier, third tier players. Uh, so we haven't had outside of Bell, which has been arguably somewhat replaced with Connor. Um, it, we really haven't seen the one guy go down. Um, I'm curious, wh- wh- who do you think would be that guy, guys? I mean, with with. Uh, I don't know Antonio Brown or Bell or uh, Gurley or Camara. Camara. Because who he, who's being used more in the offense than Camara right now? I mean, right. I was pissed off that they were using him on special teams to return kicks. Like, what are we talking <laughs> about here? I mean, the, the, calm down. You're getting him so many touches. It makes me very scared. I want the, all the points I can have, but I'll, I'll take a little less points to make sure he plays the whole season. So I'm really worried on my side. Yeah, I mean, I think that that you have to worry about any of your players. I mean, you know, across the board. I think that if I had to pick, you know, maybe like one or two guys that are probably the most at risk for an injury, I'd have to probably go with um, maybe Stafford or Gurley or Hunt or Allen or Allison. I'm I'm noticing a trend here. (laughs) Maybe Emmanuel Sanders. He's going to sell any of these guys. Why of those guys could go down at any point in time? Yeah, I, I, I heard they have a bad the medical program. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's bring this. Let's bring this. You know, all these tangents to a, a close here because I think we've uh, pretty much touched on everything that everybody wants to hear, and then a lot more. So, yeah. uh, for Eric Thompson, Mike Such, this is Avery France. We've had a great time. Join us before the beginning of week five games for our preview. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time.